Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Grip Bertman Coaches Cafe. I'm excited about uh, the dialogue we're going to have today, talking about caring for one another. Uh, if you haven't read the article yet, it's posted on the Grip Bertman website. You can go there and look for um, what's happening down at the bottom of the first page, the home page, and you can see the article on caring. Uh, it would be great to read that. If you're driving right now, obviously you don't want to be uh, reading the article, but you can come back to it later on and see more of the detail about what we'll be talking about for the next several minutes. I'm joined by Greg Langman. Greg is a longtime Grip Berkman coach and trainer. He's currently the pastor uh, for discipling at Rock Point Church in Calgary, Alberta. As we go through the article, uh, Greg, I'd like for you and I to just kind of talk through the main topics here just a minute and get a kind of get a handle on that. Uh, in a caring community, we find acceptance. And that very first line, teams can be complicated. How difficult it can be for us to accept one another, right? Um, and I'm just curious, uh, that next statement down there that really grabbed me is how we bring baggage. But the fact that we bring baggage can mean that it's sometimes hard for us to love some people. It's easier to love other people. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that in terms of how we can learn to accept others as they are, given the baggage that we bring to the team. Yeah, I think that's a, a great question and obviously a significant challenge. Um, I find most of us want to accept people as we want them to be versus mm -hmm. as they actually are. Yeah. And um, and for some of us, like myself, I, I, I love, you know, seeing the potential in people. I want people to be the, you know, step into the fullness of who God wants them to be, which sometimes means I want to accept them or see them for what they could be and not who they are presently. And uh, I think over the years, one of the things I've, I've tried to do is to say, okay, I always need to start with where the person is at today. And uh, the person that, you know, where they're at today has, has brokenness, just like I have brokenness. Um, they have challenges and flaws. They've got roadblocks. And that's all a part of the story. And God is with them there in that moment, just like God is with me in my brokenness. So I find that the, the more that I remember that, hey, I'm a broken person and I'm not always easy to get along with, uh, allows me to begin to look at people through the lens of acceptance of who they are today um, and to embrace the fact that, hey, God is at work there. And how could I maybe just love them and accept them and see the good that's currently there and not hope for, hey, what there might be, you know, down the road? Yeah, I like what you said there that we... <laughs> We, we look at people and we, we, we have a certain way we want them to be. We expect them to be a certain way, right? In, in Berkman language, we have expectations or needs from other people of how we expect them to behave toward us. And they don't always do that because we don't get to create them in our image, do we? Well, exactly. And I think, I forget which author said it, but uh, they said expectations are down payments for future resentments. Ooh. And what I love about that phrase is um, my expectations create boxes or boundaries that people most of the time can never meet up to or, or achieve. And so what I love about, you know, the words of Jesus, you know, uh, that Paul, you know, actually words of Paul in, in Romans, you know, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? Like in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of the fact that we are not 
in the places where you know God wants us to be, He still chooses to love us and to serve us and to care for us by giving of His life. And I think that's an incredible model for us and the team that in the midst of people's brokenness that they bring, we're still called to to love them in the midst of where they currently find themselves. Hey, and because of that brokenness that you mentioned, that brings us to the next point of that in a caring team, we nurture safe spaces. Hmm. Uh, we don't leave our hurts and worries and concerns outside the door of our workplace. We do bring those in. So how do we work together, spending time together to develop relationships of trust where we do have that safe space as a team? Yeah, like I think one of the the, the keys for me in, in creating those safe spaces is a non-judgmental environment that doesn't take responsibility for the lives of others, right? So um, in a team, if, if I say something and I feel like, hey, my coworker is judging me, um, or if I feel like my coworker is taking responsibility for my life and trying to fix me, that's not typically safe space. Um, for me, safe space is one of, hey, you are going to be unconditionally loved and accepted and valued. And when you speak and ask for help, I'm not going to jump in and give you all the answers or try to fix you, but I'm going to be present with you. Um, and I think that's, you know, some of the, uh, this article, which was written by Carrie McFarland, uh, I used to work with her in a district office and we really worked hard to create that space where people could come, they could share honestly, but they knew we were not going to try to fix them. They knew that we were not going to judge them, but we were going to listen to them and try to understand where they're at. And then we would partner with what the Spirit of God was wanting to do through prayer. And that seemed to just put people at ease and allow them the opportunity to be vulnerable. Greg, I've heard you use this term that Kerry mentioned also about being reverent with one another. What do you mean by that? Really, it's when people are sharing their brokenness, this is an incredibly sacred space because they are um, filleting their soul. They are revealing things that are very tender and things that need to be cared for. And so a reverence is an, an honoring and a respecting and a cherishing and a holding carefully the things that people say. Um you know, I, I just think we, we often don't realize the courage it takes to share some of those those inner things that are very uh, sensitive for people, which, you know, from our perspective, we might not think, oh, that's not a big deal. But for that person sharing, this is a big deal. And I've been mm -hmm. in teams where because we created a safe space, people brought things out that had been in the dark for decades. And I must admit, like in my mind, I was thinking, why, like, why would you not share that? Like, why is that a big deal? But I don't understand the backstory. I don't understand what all the details were around that or what happened in their homes. Or, And so I just say, hey, I'm going to treat this with like respect, like a, uh, an ornament that's just really fragile. And when I do that, I'm honoring and respecting the person. So, you know, you know that I'm a very... Um 
get down to the practical kind of guy in my coaching. Yeah. I always want to coach to action and I want to get yeah. people, you know, to talk about specific tangible things. So I, so I like the fact that Carrie included this. We support each other in tangible ways. Uh, let's talk about some of those tangible things that teams can do in, as they are sharing that brokenness, as they are practicing the presence together. Um, what are just some tangible things that teams can do to show their support for one another? Well, I think the one of the greatest gifts I think we give in society today is listening for the purpose of understanding. So, um, you know, someone shares something about what's going on in their life. If there's a brokenness, uh, one of the tools that we use was simply active listening. Hey, what I hear you saying is, mm -hmm. and you, you repeat back what you you understand that person to be saying, and. Uh, that first of all just gives a platform for hey they have been heard they have been seen because i think in uh in places where uh there is brokenness and where you're trying to find acceptance people want to be seen and heard so listening and asking questions uh is a huge part of that and i think that active listening skill is just a simple way to communicate hey i understand you i hear you uh and then we would also ask follow-up questions, what would you like us to do next? Or how can we best support you? Um, and we leave that in the hands of the other person. We don't jump in and try to rescue or fix again, but we honor that person by responding honestly to what the answer to that question of how can we help you? And if they say nothing or just listen, then that's what we do. We don't jump in and try to apply what we think they need at that time. All right, but what about the team member that just says, you know, I don't know. Um, and you see that they're hurting sometimes, but they're just, they're reluctant to express what their need is. What do you do in that case? Yeah, so, you know, in the, in the last team context I was in, um, we, tr we often didn't try to bring out the brokenness in a larger group, right? Because most people are afraid of public speaking you know, just in general, and even on a team, uh, speaking out loud for some people is very intimidating. Mm -hmm. So one of the things is always try to to break it down into a smaller group, you know, one-on-one -on -one or just a couple of people um, where we could really then begin to dialogue and say, I don't know what to do. One of our first things was, hey, can we maybe just pray? Would you be open to praying and just asking God to reveal to us what he yeah. might want to say to you today? What he sees is maybe a next step, or maybe he has a word for you or a passage of scripture, because we want to partner with the Holy Spirit, you know, in this caring process, because it's not just us trying to do good things. It's us partnering with what the Spirit of God wants to do, because I find, I think it was, uh, his name was Rob Reamer. He said, uh, you know, God is really smart, and he knows things we don't, and he wants to tell us those things. Wow. So um, I just think taking that time to really listen and pray together. Uh, it sounds maybe pretty Christian, uh, but pretty Christian means pretty powerful. And uh, we always want to tap into the power of God. Hey, I like that. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we say at least we can pray, but we really ought to be thinking about at most we can pray. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I, my son is a pastor of missions in our church. He constantly says prayer is not part of our strategy. Prayer is our strategy, and he lives that out. We have prayer teams all over the place. You know, the, we have different focused prayer groups. Um, 
uh, and prayer really permeates our culture. Uh, cool. But one of the things I experienced as a leader, uh, when I was going through an evaluation at one point, there were comments people could make. And one of the things that somebody wrote was, don't stop praying for me at the end of every conversation. And it also reminds us of, of the last main point that Carrie mentions, that we all have responsibility for creating a caring culture. Uh, that article that she references from uh, the Harvard Business Review that mentions that teams that care for one another and feel cared for by one another experience better mental and physical health benefits, deeper levels of engagement, including increased performance and productivity, and increased loyalty to the organization. So when a team leader is showing care to team members, they are representing the organization and the response is, the organization cares for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and that then helps to create loyalty. But I, I like the fact that, that the article pointed out that, um, and this is not a Christian article, uh, the article points out that when we show that we care, we get better production. Uh, mm -hmm. We get better results from the team together. I think it was in the article, Carrie made a distinction. There's uh, care about and there's care for. Ooh. Right? And I think sometimes there's a, there's a big difference there. Some people in some organizations, they say, hey, we care about you. And they'll make those general statements and they'll maybe have, you know, uh, funds or things that, you know, people could access for mm -hmm. support, for counseling, et cetera. Um, but my experience on a team is if you're going to strengthen a, a team, You've got to shift from simply caring about people to caring for people. Wow. And and the caring for is actually being present with people again. It's getting in the trenches. It's doing things and communicating that I'm there for you. Right? So if a team member uh, has someone in their family die, pass away, uh, like, do we go to the funeral? Right? Do we actually show up or do we just send a card from the organization and a gift basket because we care about them? Uh, I would suggest that the, the gift card or the gift basket and the card is, is nice, um, but it will not go as far as actually showing up at the funeral or mm. showing up in the conversation and saying, hey, how are you doing? Um, and, and walking with that person you know, in, in the ways that they, they need at that moment. Um, and, and I would also, I think it was, um, oh, I just forgot his, Seth Godin, years ago, talked about the, the power of letting people know that you care about them. And I know we need to be careful in today's society with uh, how we say things, uh, just because it can be taken the wrong way. Mm. But, but being able to communicate, I care about you. Um, and just even be able to use that kind of language is incredibly helpful. And I'm thinking Christian organizations, uh, the last team I was on, you know, on occasion we would say like, yeah, I love you. I, I, I'm in this with you. And uh, I think we can't underestimate the power of words spoken in combination with actions given. Wow, that's a great word, Greg. Well, that's about gonna wrap up our time here today for uh, this Grit Berkman Coaches Cafe. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again next month. Uh, by the way, if you want to hear the full entire 
dialogue with the coaches that were on the live call, you can go to the YouTube channel, Grip Berkman Coaches Cafe on YouTube, and you can find the, the video there that will uh, have the full discussion with uh, participation by everyone that was on the live call. Uh, you can also find the article that we were referring to at the Grip Berkman website. That's pretty easy to find on the homepage. Just scroll all the way down to the bottom and you'll see it there. And it's also under resources for uh, coaches. Uh, by the way, we have a couple of really great announcements for you from the Grip Berkman community. Uh, the Chinese version of Grip is now available. You can get that uh, by when you first order the assessment. It gives you the option to choose your language. And the reports can then be available uh, in both uh, Chinese and uh, in the uh, simple simple Chinese and traditional Chinese. And uh, you can get the report in English or in either of those two languages. A couple of other languages are in the pipeline, and we'll be making announcements about those coming very soon. So we're excited about the expansion of this and the opportunity to use it internationally and with uh, uh, people uh, who have other languages than English as their first language wherever they are in the world. So I know you're excited as I am about that development. Keep watching for more to be coming out. So uh, with that, let me just say thank you for joining us again. We'll see you next month. Meanwhile, keep doing everything you possibly can to help individuals and teams build more unity in the body of Christ so more people know Jesus. Bye-bye now.